Thanks for listening to the Revival Today podcast with evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth. To stay connected, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, or online at revivaltoday.com. Now, here's evangelist Jonathan. Welcome to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. You know who I am, Jonathan Shuttlesworth. Jonathan, that's me, discusses 20 ultra-practical principles of church growth, part three. It's really part two, because part, part two I just talked about. Whatever came to my head that had nothing to do with anything. No, we're not at 1,001. We are at 998. I need to learn to speak to two people that are watching right now to stop ignoring my request to join us for church on Sunday and decide to make the trip. I will say this, all kidding aside, every time I've had somebody write, I'm from California, I can't get there, it makes me just want to abandon teaching faith to people. Now, if you can't come, you can't come. This is not a cult. But if your reason for not coming is because you live in California, as if it's 1809, and you'd have to reverse Oregon trail it, I give up teaching faith to you. If you can't exercise your faith for practical things, you don't have faith. You can get anywhere you need to be in one day. If I needed to get to Mumbai, India, by uh, 24 hours from now, I can get there. So that's how you have to think. Anyway, if you'd like to sign up for the, the Big Daddy we're going to break a thousand people. Here's how you can sign up. Scan that QR code. You will be entered in a drawing to win a family vacation to Florida. We were going to make it to Disney, but we found out in the last three weeks that the whole company is run by satanic pedophiles, allegedly. Human trafficking satanic pedophiles, which are the worst type of satanic pedophiles. All right, so there's the info. And I missed a spot shaving. I just felt it right here. I'll have to get that cleaned up for Good Friday. Today is Good Friday. We are having a service tonight at 7 p.m. Right here, Coriopolis, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. 107 Patton Drive, Coriopolis, Pennsylvania. Don't miss it. Glad you're here with me today. Jonathan discusses 20 ultra-practical principles of church growth, part three. So, as I mentioned in part one, this is not me sitting on the top of the mountain telling all the underlings the secrets to get to the top. I've only been pastoring 15 weeks. What I wanted to do is more of a discussion, and I wanted to tell you um, what track our church is on and what we're implementing that is causing growth, and, and very few of them, if any, are things I made up. They're, none of them are. They're either from the Bible or they're revelations other people had from the Bible. If you are a pastor or in ministry, I'm making this set of 60 books that deal with ministry by Dag Haywood Mills. I don't even have the whole thing in the shot because it's too big. There you go. Um... I'm going to send that to you for anybody that sows $2,000 from your church or your ministry as a seed to stand with us here at Revival Today. This is my gift. Pretty nice gift. See that big book, the green one, How You Can Preach Salvation? That's like 170 salvation messages. So even if you don't want to preach, 
170 salvation messages, you can encapsulate one just for your altar call and have like three years worth of altar calls. Um, a good general, the art of shepherding. I mean, this, this will keep your mind working. And I'm going to send that to everybody as a thank you that sows $2,000 today. You don't have to be in the ministry, but it's especially for ministry. Hello in Nairobi, Kenya. Glad to have you. All right. Jonathan discusses 20 ultra-practical principles of church growth, part three. Where did we leave off? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I think we did the first seven. Number eight, ultra-practical principles of church growth. What do you preach? What do you preach? I think... Off the top of my head, Acts chapter 20, verse 7. Twenty twenty-seven is it? Yep. The Apostle Paul said, For I didn't shrink from declaring, I didn't shrink back from declaring the full counsel of God's word. Number eight. Declare the full counsel of God's word. It's an ultra-practical principle for church growth. You can't, you don't have the luxury. You can as an evangelist. You actually should as an evangelist. Find the thing God's called you to preach that's your main message. If I say Oral Roberts, you say healing. If I say Billy Graham, you say salvation. If I say Kenneth Hagin, you say faith. If you're a traveling minister, you actually should figure out what your one message is and stick to it. But as a pastor, you need to declare the full counsel of God's word. Number eight, declare the full counsel of God's word. People can't come to your church and hear about revival every Sunday. Revival's not even a doctrine. Revival's produced Is, is a product of doing things right. Um, hello in Michigan. If, here's a question I want you to ask yourself if you're in the ministry. If somebody's born in your church and they graduate high school at 18, do they need a Bible education at a Bible college because they only heard about faith or they only heard about sin or repentance, every message is great that's in the Bible. But the, Paul said, I, shrink, I didn't shrink back from declaring the full counsel of God's word. By the way, guys, the sound is perfect, so thank you. Bishop David Oyedepo, that has the largest church on planet Earth, has 12 doctrinal pillars, and he cycles through one a month, every month. You don't have to pick 12. You can pick the Assemblies of God has 16. It wouldn't be a bad idea to go through the 16. I've written down, I think I have 13. Healing, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, godliness, faith, confession. I have them listed and I'm cycling through them. Bible prophecy. 
Come on, Christine. Did you really drive here from California on the app? That's awesome. That's awesome if you're not lying. Would another family come here from Maui? Pretty great. So you need... You need to cover the Bible. People need to know the Bible. God wants the word to get out. If you make your ministry a ministry that disseminates the word of the full counsel of God's word, then God will bless your ministry. No, there's no delay repeat on the sound. That's your problem. That's why you're the only one writing it. The full counsel of God's word. You need to preach under that, under number eight. You need to preach what's called word of faith doctrine. I want you to hear me if you're a pastor especially. Study it for yourself. Whoever, wow, family of five coming from California. Christine, make sure to come up and say hi. I want to stick around after Easter and greet as many people as I can. Whoever was the first person that brought the message of faith, the word of faith, into a city, took that city, regardless of how good of a speaker they are, how good of a preacher they are, doesn't matter. Whoever brought that doctrine into a city took the city. Casey Treat in Seattle, Fred Price in Los Angeles. I'm going to leave out a bunch of people. David, David DeMola in New Jersey. Whoever started a church and preached what's called word of faith doctrine takes that city because that's the message. I'm going to tell you, I want to tell all my ministry friends this. Basically, every Ken, everything Kenneth Hagin preached is on YouTube. I'd listen to all of it, and then when I finish, I'd start over again. Um, if you don't like listening and you like to read, then I'd get all of Brother Hagin's books, and I'd read all of them, and then when I finish, I'd start over again. Divine healing, prosperity. Actually, what does it mean, word of faith? <clears throat> I'm going to give you my definition if I can find it. Let me see if I can find it. Oh, there it is. I found it. Here's what I broke down. When I say word of faith, this is the perspective I'm talking about. Number one, Jesus living in me doesn't make my life pitiable. Redemption makes my life enviable. Christ improves my life. He doesn't detract from it. Because that's what people preach. When I serve the Lord, I don't have anything. No, that's not word of faith doctrine. Number two, I don't make foolish allowance for sin in my life. I recognize Christ's resurrection gave me dominion over sin. 
and I choose to walk in victory over sin every day. Number one would be Genesis 26. Number two would be Romans 6. Number three, I don't go up and down. I go up and up. It's normal in life to be challenged. It's unscriptural to be defeated. I am not a burden. I am a blessing. I want you to write that down. I'm not a burden. I'm a blessing. If I go somewhere, it improves the place. I don't need help from that place. Number four, that's out of Deuteronomy 28. Always the head, never the tail, which would probably sum up word of faith doctrine. Always the head, never the tail. Always on top, never at the bottom. Number four, God does not use tragedy, sickness, or death to teach and mold me. God uses his word, Psalm 119. God doesn't teach by destruction. God teaches by instruction. Number five, I make no allowance for sickness or disease based on old age or any other factor. I violently cling to lifelong health as my redemptive right. Psalm 91 and Psalm 92. Exodus 15, 22 to 26. Exodus 23, 25. What does it mean to, pre to preach a word of faith doctrine? So you understand what number five is. What number five isn't is, I mean, no, we all battle sickness as long as we're in this earth. Sickness will No, God's not going to bless that message or your church because he doesn't like what you're preaching. If God doesn't like what you're preaching, your church isn't going to grow. Think about it. There's a message God wants out, and conversely, there's a message he doesn't want out. So if you have bad doctrine... Your church isn't going to grow. No matter how much you pray, no matter how much you go to win souls, because God doesn't want people listening to what you're saying. <clears throat> Number six, I don't run from devils. Devils run from me. Satan is too insignificant to be prayed about. I have authority over all the power of the devil. Luke 10 as opposed to glorifying the devil. How I many know the devil is going to come after us? But if we hold on, no, that's not word of faith. Number seven, my prayers are not a fruitless coping mechanism. I understand that my prayers release power and produce results. James chapter five, prayer of a righteous man has great power, and produces wonderful results. I don't pray to get through life. I pray to move mountains. Whoa, ladies and gentlemen, we've just hit 1,000 sign-ups for Easter. Praise the Lord. I'd like it to get to 1,200 because people are flighty, you know. They sign up and don't come. My dog was super sick that morning. I had no one to take care of it. Yeah, you sound like a good decision maker. Uh, number eight. <clears throat> I don't wait for miracles. I'm a worker of miracles. Number eight, you can write that down. I don't wait for miracles. I work miracles by my belief, by my confession, by my action. We're on our way to a miracle. You break a thousand people at a church in any country, let alone America, in 16 weeks, that's a miracle. 
I believed it, I spoke it, and we acted together as a church. I don't wait for miracles. I work miracles. Number nine, I'm not calloused to the needs of humanity. I'm committed to seeing men and women rescued from Satan's grip by personally winning souls. These are all things that have to be preached into people. Let me tell you this too, if you're a pastor. It doesn't motivate anybody to guilt people. It doesn't motivate people to guilt people. You motivate people by preaching the word into them. You want people to win souls? A, we've already covered you have to win souls yourself. B, preach on soul winning. It's all through the Bible. You're never going to get anybody to bring anybody to church. You know, we don't bring anyone to church. If everybody in this church would bring one person, the church would, would have doubled. No one brings anybody. We sit here and listen, and we feed and feed and feed. Guilt is not a motivator. Guilt actually does the opposite. It's a demotivator. <clears throat> I'm not callous to the needs of humanity. I'm committed to seeing men and women rescued from Satan's grip by personally winning souls. You want people to give and tithe? Preach and teach on tithing. Don't scold people. We spend money on vacations. We buy new clothes, but we leave the work of the Lord for last. Amen? That's not going to do anything. Teach on Malachi 3, Deuteronomy 26, Deuteronomy uh, 14, Hebrews 7, 2 Corinthians 8, chapters 8 and 9. And that is what, what I mean when I say preach word of faith. Preach from that perspective of the Bible. Not we all sin every day. Not how many of you know we, we can't out-sin God's grace. That's the opposite. You're going to have to reject about 95% of what people you hear 50 and younger preach. All those movements that preached it are collapsing. Uh, that's number eight, right? Number nine. This is from John Osteen. Important principle. People don't come to church to get a load on. Talking about like an 18-wheeler. People don't come to church to get a load on. They come to church to get a load lifted off of them. People don't come to church to get burdened down. They come to church to get burdens removed. I want you to write that down. People don't come to church to get burdens put on them. People go to church to get burdens removed from them. If my dog Chris goes to his feeding bowl, and every time he goes to his feeding bowl to eat, I kick him in the head, he's not going to go eat anymore. So if people want to go to church and they go to church and all you do is beat them, Many times we don't put Jesus first in our lives. That's not going to make anybody put Jesus first in their life. So 
So if all you're doing is scolding and correcting people, that doesn't facilitate growth. Here's what you need to know, especially if you grew up like me and you had Christian parents. People go the whole week and don't have anybody say one kind thing to them. Their husband is harsh with them. Their children are harsh with them. Their boss is harsh with them. The bus driver is harsh with them. Everybody's harsh. Church has to be a place where people's burdens are lifted. As much as people mock Joel Osteen and take shots at his ministry, there's a reason he has the biggest church in America. Well, he opens with a joke. Yeah, people haven't laughed all week. Always just saying positive things. People haven't heard anything positive. Try it sometime. Try preaching positive. I'll give you this um, as well. Try this. I, I humbly submit this to you. Have focus on the positive of whatever doctrine you're preaching. Don't preach seven reasons prayers don't get answered. Preach seven ways to get your prayers answered. Don't preach seven reasons people don't receive healing so that people can go, oh, now I know why I'm not healed. Preach seven ways to receive healing. Don't preach four penalties for sin. Preach four benefits for godly living. God is a rewarder. Emphasize the reward part of the Bible. In emphasizing that, you'll cover the punishment part. But focus on the reward, not the punishment. One older preacher that's no longer with us said, when you preach, remember, there's a broken heart on every pew. You know, don't watch Fox News all week and get so irritated at what's going on in the country that you go vomit it out, vomit out all your frustrations on the congregation. Can't believe what's going on in this country. Yeah, what's going on in this country that's bad is not who you're addressing. You're addressing people that set an alarm, got up and got showered and dressed, drove to your church with high gas prices. They're what's right with America. Preach faith into them, not scolding. <clears throat> John Osteen said, people don't come to church to get a load on. They come to get church to get a load off lift people's burdens and your church will grow make them feel bad and you're, you're going to lose a lot of people jesus didn't come and make people feel worse than, than they did other than pharisees and sadducees and religious hypocrites come unto me all ye that are weary and heavy laden and i will give you rest Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly at heart, and you'll find rest. There it is again, second time, for your soul. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. People should feel good when they come to your church. Not if they're in sin. No, they should, they should feel a desire to repent and get saved. But your church shouldn't be full of sinners. There's also the aspect of ministry that's the building up of the church and the perfecting of the saints.
Sussex, New Brunswick. I haven't been there in a while. Good to see you, Eric. So what number are we on now? We did 8, 9, and this is 10? Am I right or wrong? I'm going to give you two things that deal with money. This is 20 ultra-practical principles of church growth. Number 10 deals with money. This is from Bishop David Oyedepo. If people feel financial pressure when they come to your church, your church will never grow. If people feel financial pressure when they come to your church, your church will never grow. Elijah lifted financial pressure off the widow. Elisha lifted financial pressure off the widow. Elisha lifted financial pressure off the guy that lost the axe head. When people come to church, they sh you should remove their financial pressure. You shouldn't add more to it. We still need $210,000 for the down payment of this church. We need people to step up and give. It doesn't happen in a lot of churches anymore because I think they do, it killed all the ones that were doing it. But there's some churches that they might as well just hold you by the ankles and shake you out over the roof for your money. I've been to churches, there's three offerings taken before the, before the preaching. Today we're, now we're coming to receive the tithes. Now we're coming to receive the offering. Now we're coming to receive the building fund offering. Now we're coming to challenge you to sow a special seed for missions. It's a church. It's not a strip club. Bishop David Oyedepo probably has the richest ministry on planet Earth. Their offerings are about three minutes long. Now, he takes a month and teaches and preaches on prosperity. So I'm not saying don't talk about money. I'm saying there needs to be no pressure felt. This, this ministry that you're watching right now is under zero financial pressure. Zero. All bills are paid, plenty in the bank. So people don't feel any pressure when they come here because there's none to make them feel. If your church makes people feel, I mean, you hear, there's people, there's churches you can go to. They, I've heard it. They'll challenge you to take a loan so that you can sow a certain amount of money. Lord spoke to me that everybody that sows $5,000 in the next two months is going to change levels. You might not have $5,000. Use your credit card. Take a loan. You take loans for other things, I'm telling you. And there's never more than a handful of people. You'll run them out as fast as they come in. Because that's not church. What was that, number 10? Number 11, when it comes to money.
honor the laws of transparency and integrity as a ministry when it comes to money. I'm hurt that you didn't respond to my letter. That's okay. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Laura, did you ever think maybe there could have been a problem with the postal system or you misaddressed the letter or it got lost? Instead of being hurt, write another letter. Good Lord. I promise you I never saw a letter from you. I didn't see a letter and choose not to respond. So put your big girl pants on and write another letter. I don't know who you are. I just see your name on the thing. I literally can't imagine as, a, as an adult human being writing a letter to a ministry and if I didn't get a response to them being hurt. I'm going to do that when I see Jesse Duplantis in June. Brother Jesse, I wrote a letter to you. Never got her. Actually, I did get a response, so I couldn't say that. I'm going to write a bunch of ministries today, and whatever ones don't respond, I'm just going to sit in my living room and be hurt. Then the next time they're on Facebook, I'm going to let them know I'm hurt. <sighs> That's why there's coffee. I didn't get it. I'm telling you, I didn't get it. You think I open all the mail that comes to this ministry? Good Lord, write another one or message me on social media, seeing as it's not 1890. You can write me right now on Instagram and I'll read it and get back to you. How's that? Good Lord. I already have a wife, you know. I know I seem angry, because I am. But write me again, and I'll write you right back. Okay? Write me on Instagram. I don't write letters. I haven't written a letter since we had an assignment in, like, third grade in Christian school to have a pen pal in another state. What do you... Here, I'll write you a letter. I'll write you right now. Dear Laura, I'm sorry 
I didn't get your letter. I hope you'll find it in your heart to forgive me. I'm so sorry. Sometimes I get distracted. And I don't fulfill all my obligations. I'm sure you are a nice lady. And certainly didn't deserve... to be ignored. I hope one day we can put this behind us and be friends. Your Christian brother, Jonathan Shuttlesworth, put a scripture, uh, Psalm 1, 1 to 3, and then I draw a heart. Sorry that my handwriting's sloppy. I haven't written anything since I was like 10. All right, let's get this to Laura. Laura, type again on the app so I can get your last name or scroll up on that so I can see the last name. I can look it up and write her back. Okay, I got it. S-D-E-H-L-E. Right. Hope you feel better. Um, honor the principles of financial transparency and financial integrity. Kate, thanks for the laugh. Honor the principles of financial transparency and financial integrity uh, when it comes to money. Let people know where the money's going. I'm not talking about every penny. I'm just talking about if you raise money for chairs, let people know what the church is doing. That helps.
Have integrity with the money. Have systems in place. One embezzlement, a lot of people will leave your church. You can't afford to have somebody run off with $400,000 from the church that people gave. People will lose trust in you as a leader. So on honor the principles of integrity. Hey, Roxanne in Texas. Good to see you. Number what? Let me see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Number twelve. You can't waste people's time and have your church grow. That has nothing to do with how long your service is. <clears throat> you can have a four and a half hour service where nobody's time is wasted. And you can have an 85 minute service that's a waste of time. I'm trying to think of the best way to explain what I'm talking about. You have to remember you have people that come to your church that run sales meetings all week. They're used to running meetings. They can spot if you're unprepared. You cannot waste people's time as a pastor. Get to your message. First words are important. Can't get up and stammer around and try to find your footing. Well, hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Good to be here today. How many of you are? I mean, know this is the day the Lord has made. Amen. Anybody have any testimonies today? You can't, you can't just get up and have nothing prepared. You'll there's a certain echelon of people you'll never have come to your church because they can tell you're wasting their time, that you don't have any... You should have something to deliver from God when you stand up. Listen, I mean this dead seriously. If you wrote into our ministry and sent money and didn't get any response, any thank you, do you think the fault's on my end? You hear me say every day, we're, we're going to send for everybody that gives, I'm going to send you this, regardless of the amount. Do you think we've been lying our whole ministry? 
Do you think maybe every once in a while the U.S. Postal Service messes something up? I don't know if you were paying attention to the last election or not. But sometimes the U.S. Postal Service loses things. So if you wrote and didn't get something back, I apologize. I, I cannot, well, I don't want to say I cannot. I'm not going to hire an extra 2,000 people to hand deliver letters to everybody across the country. Or 120,000 people, whatever I would need. So can you give, freaking give me the benefit of the doubt that we had it, sent it, and something went wrong? Some people haven't, some people put the wrong address down. Some people don't go to claim my offer. Something got messed up, but I'm not lying about sending back to those that we have your address. So since today's complain Friday that you didn't get a response, can anybody by a show of emoji hand say that you have received what I said I would send you? And I hope those crates of t-shirts we send out don't go nowhere. Freaking took the wind out of my sails. Everybody, I also never got anything back, but I did it under the Lord. Holy moly. To be honest with you, one of the reasons that I joke the way I do and speak the way I do is to run people like that off. And I guess it doesn't always work. I literally can't imagine being over the age of like eight and complaining to somebody that they didn't like... I've written to ministries that never wrote me back. You know, what I did was I just went about my day. Scroll up on the app. And I'm telling you, we have a policy in our ministry. We, write, we, we send everybody a thank you. It writes. So I don't know. I'm sorry if, 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 if something went wrong. Go up on the third floor. I've got people, that's all they do all day. Somebody said, yeah, but you got my check. I don't touch any of the money ever except my paycheck. You think I'm up there shucking envelopes when I get done teaching? Ooh, ooh, ooh. There's an accounting department. I'm sorry. I'm very sorry. Hope you'll forgive me. Please don't go to hell over it. Harboring a grudge because you didn't get a, a thank you letter. We send them back all day long. I'm sorry. The U.S. Postal Service is not as reliable as it once was. Would you like me to put another 250000 on staff and buy a fleet of aircraft to hand deliver the thank yous? I don't feel like teaching anymore. I'll see you for prayer at noon. God bless you. Hey, this is Jonathan Shuttlesworth. I want to thank you for listening to my podcast, or if you're listening to my wife's. Thank you on her behalf. If you want to be more than just a casual listener and stand with us as we take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, go to RevivalToday.com and click Give Now and be a part of the 1,000 monthly partners that we're believing for. I have a special gift that I'll send to you today, and I'll say thank you in advance. Until next time, thanks for listening. See you later.